0: Welcome to Keeping Students in Mind, Understanding Student Mental Health Research, a collaborative podcast series brought to you by all things mental health, Smarton, and King's College London. I'm Eric Berger, a final year mathematics and statistics student at the University of Edinburgh, and today I'm delighted to have Rachel Spacey with me. Rachel is a research fellow based in the Lincoln Higher Education Research Institute at the University of Lincoln. Rachel's research spans almost two decades and her more recent research focuses on the mental health of students from underrepresented groups within higher education and the student experience in general. Today, we're gonna be discussing Rachel's smart and funded project, Who Cares? Identifying, understanding, and supporting the work-life balance of students with caring responsibilities. I was formerly a student with caring responsibilities for my father with ALS before his passing in 2019 so this project already has a special place in my heart. Rachel, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Eric, appreciate it.
0: So I'm curious to hear a bit about your story as a researcher. How did you become interested in research about student mental health and what led you to this particular project?
1: Well, it's quite a kind of long and convoluted journey to this point. Like you said, I've been researching for almost two decades, but For me, a lot of what I do now is directly related to my own experiences as an undergraduate. And I really enjoyed school. I was academically um, very successful at school. But unfortunately, by the time I got to university, things started to go a little bit. They didn't go the way that I planned is probably the best way to describe it. So uh, unfortunately, I was bullied at school and... During the first week of my um, undergraduate experience, my granddad passed away. And I think what happened then was just a kind of, I started to unravel and um, I was a long way from home. I would picked a, a university specifically because it was about four hours away from where I live because I was just so desperate to, to move away. Um, but actually what I really needed, I think, as I look back, is that I really needed to have my family around me at that time. And as you said, Eric, I've I've been researching for a long time. So what this meant was when I was at university, we didn't have mobile phones. We had a phone, but you could only make incoming calls. I had to go to a telephone box. So you had to write to people. So there was this kind of, you know, there was distance and there was a time in that distance as well to get support. So by the time that I finished my undergraduate degree, I was really struggling mentally and I didn't do that as well as I hoped I would and it kind of set me on a different career path I think to what I'm doing now at the beginning. I felt that I needed to get away from higher education and it took me a while to get back to it so I, I worked as a librarian for a while and which which I loved but it also highlighted to me that I love finding things out and I love finding things out about people. So yeah luckily got the opportunity to to study to to do research and eventually I ended up researching in this area so i used to actually be a researcher in library and information studies and i made a conscious decision when i was in my 30s to move into education um and i think that was because you know i could reflect on that kind of mental health experience and um i had a bit more confidence in myself and i thought yeah i, I think i can do this now so for me now i'm absolutely doing the thing that really, really is incredibly important to me because I know what it's like to feel that kind of desperation and loneliness when you're a student and not knowing who to turn to and I feel really passionate about doing research that can only improve the experiences of students. So that's kind of my research journey, uh, my long convoluted research journey but for me it, it means that I'm doing the research that I fundamentally feel passionate about. I suppose it's it's it it took a long time to get here, but I'm I'm happy I'm here. And I think that does feed into the kind of work that I do and the and the kind of I hope the empathy that I can bring to those projects and to telling those stories.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you had that experience and not all negative things need to turn into something positive, but it's it's nice that yours turned into a real passion project that has really driven your career to new places where you can do work that supports people and one thing from reading your research that I was very attracted to was just how accessible it was for students who might be interested in learning a bit about it yeah
1: uh, yeah I think it's um also for me there's a generational kind of um issue around talking about mental health and well-being and I think when I was at university it you know we were a long way from that so actually it took me a really really long time and I think this is the first time that I've been you know open in public really about the fact that I had mental health difficulties at university and I've I've had them on and off since and it's it's something that I manage but for a long time I was very I found it incredibly hard to talk about that time of my life and to um, even engage with what happened but now it's it's funny because I can kind of wistfully look back and see that it it made me who I am now and it makes it, it makes me do what I do now and then um, actually you know that that's that's fantastic I'm I'm pleased that you know if I had to go through that to get to the person that I am today then that's fine
0: yeah amazing and even in the uh, I think six years or so since I got out of high school I've noticed the conversation around mental health and mental illness in academic spaces changed so much it's been a mm really beautiful thing. And I think it's just amazing if you could go back and tell your 18 year old self that you'd be able to speak openly about your mental health at the time. I think that's remarkable progress. I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about the status of the current project. Who cares? And what drew you to do research for students with caring responsibilities? What are you hoping to get out of it? And this and much of your work involves participatory research. Could you tell me a bit about that?
1: So the project Who Cares was very much driven by myself, but my co-project team. So Becky Sanderson and Amy Zyle. And um, we've all either studied and had caring responsibilities or are studying with caring responsibilities. Um, Becky and Amy met through the Smarter Network and I work with Becky. so. That's how that kind of relationship developed. And we started to talk a bit more about this, how this project might take shape. So Becky and I work in widening participation. So all our work focuses on the experiences of underrepresented groups. And Amy's doing a PhD and she's got a background in health and social care research. So these these things sort of came together. I think the fact that we've got this kind of personal experience and we've all We've experienced the fact that it's actually really difficult to study and and to be a student when you've got some kind of care and responsibility for lots of different reasons. And Becky and I just are really focused on kind of doing research that you can pull out practical recommendations from. So they were kind of the underpinning things driving this project. It's going really well. So we've um, undertaken a literature review. We've got quite a broad umbrella in terms of our definitions so sometimes within the research within universities within the sector we talk about students that are parents or students that are carers but we decided we wanted quite a broad umbrella term to incorporate all of those students and include those students that might have both of those things going on we want it to be quite an inclusive project and that's another reason why we've got a broad definition so We hope that lots of different students will identify with it and want to take part and we can do something good for them. So, yeah, we've been digging down into the literature and we've had our first steering group meeting. And um, the steering group is kind of a fundamental part of our project because it's it consists of primarily students. And they're students from across the UK, they're at all different stages of study they've got all different types of caring responsibilities or and the way that they identify students with caring responsibilities kind of plays out in very different ways but they're all very um excited to be part of the project because they see that there are so many things that still need to improve to make you know the student experience for students with caring responsibilities a better a better experience so we have ten students on our steering group at the moment there's a few more as well that couldn't attend the first meeting, but we are engaging with a wider group and there are staff from universities, from the higher education sector, from caring organisations as well. And we just um, met to discuss, you know, what the project's going to look like, what the terms of reference are, what it's like to be in a, take part in a steering group. Because I think a lot of the language around um project governance can be quite off-putting and you know we want the students to to benefit from being part of this project you know these these are useful skills for the CVs for for careers for, for for lots of different things so yeah we just kind of unpick the definitions you know what are students with caring responsibilities are they happy with the definition that we're talking about and a particular focus of our project for Smartin is that we're looking at work-life balance. So if you've got a lot on your plate, how, how are you juggling all of those things? And how does that impact on your mental health and well-being? And what are universities doing to support those students with all those things that they're juggling? Because, you know, when you're a student, you are juggling lots of different things. I mean, so many students um, are in paid employment as well as studying, and then to have all these other things going on in your life, how how do you successfully manage all those things, come out of a course and think oh you know what I really enjoyed that and I managed to do it, it wasn't too stressful and I think actually my work-life balance was all right, you know I'm, I'm quite happy with that. So yeah that, they're the kind of foci of our project um, and what we did do with this with the steering group was talk about is work life balance an appropriate term, and um, what we've ended up um, kind of agreeing on is that for our study we're calling it study work and life balance to kind of incorporate all those different elements and experiences because some students are studying but it's more like a job if you're doing some kind certain postgraduate study programs. Some students are studying and they're also in a job as well as caring so that's where we are with the kind of definitions and yeah the students on the the steering group are going to work with us on the development of a survey that we're going to roll out nationally the plan is to hopefully employ some of those students to undertake and to support them and train them to undertake interviews of other students with caring responsibilities and that's the kind of participatory element of the so we're kind hoping to help develop their research goals but also you know when we're analyzing and reading through those transcripts those students will be bringing their own lived experience to that interpretation so fingers crossed it's going really well at the moment um, and we've got lots of enthusiastic contributors
0: I was on mute so you can hear that but I just knock on wood cross (laughs) my fingers thank Um, you yeah, I, I appreciate with how much care you speak about the people or the students that are participants in the research. I I think that's amazing that you're cognizant of their outcomes and what they can get out of it, both out of being a part of the research and you know attaching it to their CV and all. I think it's really interesting also to hear about the the work life study or the caring life study bounds that you mm-hmm. talked about. Just because in my in my own experience, I remember. You know, studying—it was a task to do, but it was also somewhat of a reprieve from mm-hmm. the situation I was in with my father. And then at the same time, I had things that I was incredibly attached to during that time as well. Like, I don't think I went a day without running because I was like, I'm not going to function without running. So I'm, I'm curious to see if if that's a theme that comes along with students with caring responsibilities having things that they really cling to during times when they're caring while studying. That's just fascinating in general to me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, just it'd be interesting to explore how balance all those things and look after their own mental health and well-being and, you know, the kind of strategies they use or and are there other things that universities could do in the sector more widely to kind of support that? Because I think the literature shows that sometimes there can be... A, in some studies, the a kind of sense of guilt of having having all those sort of things pulling on you, and often the literature. And I think this course in the sector can have an idea or a vision of an ideal student and what they might look like and what they their, you know, their capacity to oh, you you know, on this course we expect you to study this many hours and well. I'm not sure life's really like that anymore and um, for most students so it will be interesting to kind of to unpick that a little bit I think.
0: Yeah it'll be really interesting to hear your recommendations for how universities can better support students I think that'll be a fascinating area in so many ways that are currently gone about don't seem to serve students with caring responsibilities so. You've done quite a lot of research projects on students from underrepresented groups. I'm curious to hear what are some common themes you found about their mental health and some commonalities amongst their student experiences?
1: Yeah so I've spent quite a lot of time researching the experiences of students who are estranged from family so they're no longer in contact with family. I started that a few years ago just by looking at students at Lincoln and I was really aware that there were there's a charity called Standalone and they're brilliant advocacy charity that advocate on behalf of adults who are estranged and they're doing a lot of work in the sector around he students and um because i work in um uh, widening participation i was just i realized that we didn't really know very much about if we had any students that were estranged at lincoln so that's that's where that kind of interest started and i managed to um Locate a, a small group of students and um, they took part in a, a project where they took photos of their student experience, so you know what's life like as an estranged student at Lincoln over a period i think it was over an Easter holiday and um, they just took images on their phones and then um we shared them and they shared them with me and we talked about them and that was really where my, my kind of um yeah passion for for that particular group came because as a researcher you you know there are certain things that you have to think about but then when you work with some groups there are there's like an extra a level of things that you need to think about so so often you say oh yes we'll bring some students together in a focus group and ask them to talk about their experiences and that seems quite straightforward but actually with estranged students what what I found was that some of them um for whatever reason hadn't disclose to anyone at university that they were estranged so the idea of going into a room with other students and they might and you know they might know one of those other students they might be on one of their courses or in their accommodation you know that's really confronting and um, so some of the students did come to a focus group but then some of them I interviewed separately because they were reluctant to you know because it's quite scary walking to a room of strangers anyway but then to talk about things that could actually be quite upsetting was was very hard so yeah and I think in terms of their mental health it was all tied up a lot of it around the fact that they felt unable to talk about estrangement it's not something that's particularly well understood there's a lot of stigma around it uh, lots of judgment made about it you know the idea that if you're not in contact with your family that there's, there must be something wrong with you and actually, there's so many reasons why a student may be estranged. And actually, for some students, going to university is a really important time because they, they choose to estrange themselves from a negative situation. Obviously, it, it's difficult, but it's also quite liberating. But a lot of the issues around their well-being and the mental health with, around this kind of not feeling able to talk about it or if they did talk about it, feeling judged. By other people who would make quite sort of glib comments, and also that you know, as a society, we do sort of. And I, you know, early on in the interview, I talked about needing my family, and we talk a lot about families and the importance of family, and it, it's the kind of prom- predominant discourse, isn't it? The idea that you're in a family, so to actually come out and say, "I'm," um, you know, "I'm not not in contact with my family," people just don't necessarily understand why or how that might have happened so yeah a lot of it was to do with stigma fear of being judged but also a lot of the issues around the well-being were related to the kind of the practical implications of being at university and not having family support so that support could be emotional so you know just having someone to kind of check in on you and say how are you getting on at university or oh, you did really well in that assignment or and not having that or someone to help you move your stuff in when you moved in And the conversations that people were having, you know, oh, I'm here with my mum and dad. Who are you here with? And then a few of the students said, you know, that was really, really hard. I was just moving into university and I was having to kind of suddenly think, do I say now that I'm not in contact with my family or do I fudge it and maybe talk about it later? And then there's also the kind of financial support, you know, all those gaps where often families will say oh well you know we can pay for this we can pay for a train ticket don't worry about the summer holidays you can come home all those you know constant worries feed into well-being and and mental health and yeah so you do find that that group often are accessing sort of student well-being services or and or are in need of more so you know the minimum isn't enough because they're often dealing with other perhaps trauma or abuse or you know other issues that they need to work through yeah so that was the, the start of that at lincoln and then it it's, it's just kind of carried on from there and yeah it, it for me as a researcher that that particular project although it was quite small challenged me in a lot of ways because i had to a lot of the things that i, I knew about researching with students kind of went out the window because i had to be very mindful of things but i also had to be very mindful of the assumptions that I made, my own circumstances, I had my own kind of mental health. Luckily, I had a really good manager who was, you know, I would talk to her about the project because as a researcher, you also you, also have, to, you have to care about, obviously care about the people that you're researching and, and do it ethically and, and empathetically. But you also have to kind of look after yourself a little bit in that process so that you, you can do a good job because it can be quite confronting sometimes.
0: I can imagine. Wow. I was wondering, you know, with students with caring responsibilities, students from underrepresented groups, estranged students, like in my case, I was taking care of someone with a terminal illness and grief and loss was so much, so such a big part of that experience. Mm -hmm. But I was wondering just in in your research about student mental health in any of these groups, what, what have you found the role of grief and loss to be in relation to student mental health
1: yeah I think in terms of the two projects that I've done on students who are estranged the grief in that in those projects is through that kind of the person that performed them you know a really important part in their life may still actually be alive but they're no longer in contact so often there can be a grieving process but for something as well not just for someone but you know the idea of that you know that relationship that security has gone but but like I said on on the other side of that it, it you know for some of those students actually that particular situation or relationship ending can eventually be seen as a positive because it was damaging but absolutely it was intertwined with mental health and those students well most of the estranged students um at Lincoln that I spoke to were all accessing counselling and were very um you know open about the fact that they needed they need, desperately needed someone to talk to to talk those things over but yeah it was yeah a grief and loss for often for a a, a kind of family setting or a you know a mum or a dad or and often within you know leaving that situation you might be having to not be in contact with siblings because they're still with the parent or parent that you that you're no longer in contact with so incredibly complex
0: I can imagine it being very complex I mean even in the situations that you're talking about where it's positive not positive it's it's liberating for the student to leave a situation it must be so complicated to try and you know at this young age hold these contrasting ideas of oh, this was a really positive, empowering, liberating thing for me. And, oh, I kind of missed my family, but I know it's good that I'm not there. And I have all of these other things to deal with and not enough people to talk to about it or whatever other issues might arise from Mm -hmm. that. So I can imagine, I I feel like complicated is, complicated grief. And, you know, every grief is different, but Mm -hmm. does not sound like very straightforward grieving. So I'm, I'm glad that a lot of the students that you worked with were in counseling. That's really great
1: yeah yeah so as part of that research we the University of Lincoln applied to commit to the standalone pledge so the standalone set up a pledge that for universities to commit publicly that they support estranged students and within that one of the strands is wellbeing. you know so at, at Lincoln we have um, a wellbeing advisor who whose specific remit includes underrepresented groups including estranged students so that they, so they can then signpost to those other support services for students who um, are estranged. And I guess the other slightly complicated thing about estrangement is it for some of the students it happens before university, but some of them it happens whilst they're at university. So the, the pledge is a way to kind of highlight the support that's there because it can happen at dif- in different point, at points of this kind of student journey.
0: Well, Rachel, thank you so much for doing this episode. This has been <laughs> lovely to talk to you about this. And also just thank you for sharing your story at the beginning. I remember, you know, when I was uh, caring for my father or helping caring for my father, I should say, I would, when I'd list, go on those runs, I'd often listen to people sharing stories about their mental health because I knew what I was going through was not being discussed much amongst people in my age group. And that provided tremendous comfort for me. So it feels like things have come a bit full circle in in making one of those podcasts. And it's a nice comforting thought to think that someone who has those responsibilities and might be struggling with their mental health listens to this and gets a lot out of it. So thank you so much for doing this podcast. And I can't wait to hear where your research goes.
1: Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it.